It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB Celebrity Gardener, a segment that I really enjoy. Look forward to every Saturday morning at this time. Eric Erickson joins me in studio, host of The Eric Erickson Show and Atlanta's Evening News when you tune in on your drive home Monday through Friday. Hey. How are you? Good Saturday morning. Uh, Listen, I'm always happy to do anything for you. Thank you, Eric. So you're a cook. I am. You enjoy food. You enjoy cooking. My first garden question for you, have you ever or would you enjoy growing your own herbs? I do. Do you? Yes. uh, I grow, keep in the back, uh, rosemary, basil, parsley, oregano, thyme, marjoram, uh, we've done a few other things, but you know, so I, I use thyme for red beans and rice and a lot of Cajun food has thyme in it. Rosemary for some of my Italian stuff. I, mm-hmm. I love to, I've got a recipe where I, I butterfly a pork loin and then mix uh, Parmesan and rosemary and spinach Yum. and roll it up and, and cook it in the oven or on a rotisserie. Oh uh, so use fresh rosemary for that. Uh, oregano, obviously I make a lot of Italian stuff. My wife likes um, marjoram in a chicken salad that she makes. That so I've I never grow cooked it. with. Okay. Yeah. Um, that one kind of, eh, I'm, I'm not a big fan, but she loves it. Uh, what else do I grow? Um, a lot, of, just a bunch of herbs primarily, and then okra for gumbo. And there are flavored times as well, like yeah. There's lemon thyme. I actually at one point was going through the whole mixed drink period and would grow <laughs> lemon thyme for a cocktail, but I'm not really a cocktail drinker. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, bourbon. Yeah. Sometimes. Listen, I I just my wife actually grows mint to make mint juleps, and she grows a variety of mints depending on what mood strikes her. We have to keep it in a pot so it doesn't take over the yard. All of your food interests right there that you just listed indicate to me you've lived all around the world. But admit, you're a true Southerner. Oh, I, I totally am. I mean, I grew up in Dubai, but yeah, I've before I was allowed to leave Louisiana, my mom made me learn how to make red beans and rice, jambalaya, and gumbo. Mm-hmm. And so now even, I mean, I, I, we, I've discovered this thing called an earth box, which is fantastic. It, it, you cover it. It's really explanatory. It comes with all the, the soil and the fertilizer you need and an irrigation system. It's great. And so this past year, we did fresh corn. My wife did not believe the thing would grow corn, and it did. How tall we did it get? Oh, it got, I mean, taller than me. It was six, seven feet tall corn, great big ears of corn. Now, there were only, I guess we did 10 stalks in, in the box, but it produced enough corn that we had it a couple of times. And then wow. tomatoes and the freaking squirrels ate all the tomatoes. Oh, yeah. My wife wants to try tomatoes again now that she has a gun to kill the squirrels. BB gun. Yes. I'm telling you. I, I used I, it. I'm not proud of it, but it worked. Last year, we didn't. And this year, she's she's pretty sure that she's going to go out there, we're going to plant, and she's going to kill. But she actually does more flower planting because she's really mad at the animals eating her tomatoes last year. Now, what about a dog? A dog will scare we the do have a away. dog, okay. uh, and we we have a great dog. The problem is that our dog sounds very ferocious and charges you, and then falls over in front of you and wants a belly rub. <laughs> wants a so, belly yeah, rub. Like, come on, Maggie, be be a be a ferocious. The squirrels dog. have figured that out. Yeah, we're we're the only people in our neighborhood with the dog that the post office actually is excited to see. <laughs> I love it. Thinking this year, I, I need to get into like lettuces because after all the romaine stuff, I probably need to grow that myself. Yeah, that way you know where it's been. Yeah. It's not contaminated. Yeah, pretty much. So these earth boxes, has that changed the way you garden, or will you go back to traditional, just building your own planter boxes? And no, well, first way? of all, I, me and building don't come in handy. <laughs> i, I got to buy them from the store, and I can put together a kit. Uh, my wife actually tried to build a planter in, her, in the backyard, and it's still back there rotting. We've oh, never no. used it. These earth box things are great, and they're on wheels, so I can cart 
around to get them in the, in the best sunshine position. Uh, but with the irrigation, I love them. And there's no thinking. You just you you follow the directions. You plop in the dirt. Then you plop in the fertilizer. Then the rest of the dirt. You dig a little trench. Put in like calcium. Wow. And then you arrange. And it says if you're growing tomatoes, arrange them this way. If you're growing corn, arrange them this way. It's just. And then you stick a hose in, and it has a pressure system where when the water runs out of the bottom, you can leave the hose on, and it doesn't actually run. But wow. when the water trickles out, it fills it back up and turns the hose off. Yeah. So what are some of your memories in your childhood? Do you have memories of gardening, fond memories of grandmothers yeah. or something like that? So we, I grew up in Dubai, and before we moved there, my parents had a, a small garden in our backyard. But then when we moved to Dubai, it was real hard to get a lot of the fruits and vegetables that we grew up with here. So my mom and dad planted them in the backyard. We actually had to, I remember the dump trucks coming because it was all sand. So you had to import uh, sweet soil and then making the rows and we would have corn and okra and radishes and turnips and a lot of okra because we're from Louisiana and then lettuces and lots of tomatoes and uh, bell peppers, lots Mm -hmm. of bell pepper. And so my mom, for making gumbo, would have the Trinity growing in the backyard. She'd go out and get the onion. She'd get the bell pepper, get the okra from the backyard. Now, eventually over time in Dubai, it became really convenient to go to big grocery stores. Uh, But it was still something we always did. And then I was such a nerd when I was a kid. So (laughs) listen, I I was we didn't have very many sports. I could do camel racing. I could do soccer. I couldn't really do camel racing, but you do soccer, cricket. We eventually got a football team for our school. But I loved chemistry. And I discovered as a kid that even though I was an 11 year old, I could save my money and buy industrial chemicals. Wow. So when we moved back to the States when I was 15, I had all these, I mean, liter bottles of sulfuric acid and hydrochloric acid. And well, I mean, the garden's going to go anyway. So I just poured it all in the backyard and watched the the flaming, bubbling mound destroy our garden <laughs> the last week. Loves a yeah, oh, absolutely. Like yes. That. Oh, it was great. Yeah. There's no more garden there, I don't believe. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you for your time and thank you for being this weekend's celebrity gardener. All right. Thanks. Not recommended to use any acids, though, in your landscape, for sure. Thanks, Eric, 404-872-0750. Gardening is so rewarding, and we've talked about it uh, this morning and talked about herbs in the first part of the show and just got a message from Mickey Gasway. Many of you know her and love her from Pike Nursery. When you're cutting back your herbs, she wants to remind you to leave pineapple sage blooms. They don't bloom until late. And the bright red and the hummingbirds love them. So that's a really great reason to leave them. And and that's a reminder, too, to uh, be changing out the water in your hummingbird feeders right now. Because with all the bright sun that comes directly through that hummingbird nectar comes black mold, pink mold, all kinds of things in the feeder that could really be fatal to the, uh, to the hummingbird. So you want to change that out every week or two. Pretty easy. Four parts water, one part sugar, and away you go. 404-872-0750. Ted and Marietta, hey, good morning. Thanks for calling the show. Good morning, Ashley. Hey, Ted. Can you hear me okay with the speaker on? Absolutely, yeah. So tell us what's going on with your azaleas. Well, it's actually a friend's azalea, but okay. anyway. Um, it, the... The leaves are sort of losing their green. They're turning a pale green, and there's they're tiny, uh, dark brown, almost like stippling, you know, dots, uh-huh. uh, almost like a variegated leaf. You know, one of those polka dot plants, except it's 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 green on the pale. Uh, I mean, it's uh, uh, the the dots are uh, dark brown, and they're on. It's kind of like the color is draining from the leaf yeah the the newer the newer leaves are you know the darker green you'd expect from this kind of azalea 
but uh, some of the more mature leaves are sort of losing their chlorophyll or something. I don't. Yeah. Is so that lace bug? It is. So we've got to get to that in a hurry. And if folks know that that's going to be a problem year after year, lace bug damage on their azaleas, best to start like in mid-spring to start controlling the first few generations of the larvae and things like that. But still, throughout the summer, you can repeat sprayings maybe every three to four weeks. Just read the label directions for that. Spraying with like an insecticidal soap or something because that eats away at the at the bug's body, basically, and kills them. But yeah, the reason for the stippling and the green draining out of the leaves is because they suck the juice out of each leaf cell. So they're essentially taking the chlorophyll away from the leaf. And obviously, the leaf surface needs to be green. It needs to be healthy to attract the sunshine and keep the plant healthy as well. So at this point, it's not too late, Ted, but have your neighbor, have your friend make a note for next year, mid-spring, to go ahead and start applications of insecticidal soap, any kind of garden insecticide. So those are the things that you spray every three or four weeks. Or what I had luck with, and some people don't like when, when we recommend this, is the systemic insecticide. So something that you do at the base of the plant, and it basically poisons the sap of the azalea, so no bug is going to be attracted to it. That's the easiest method to achieve control of the lace bugs is being able to use that in, in, uh, systemic insecticide, something with imidacloprid in it. That starts with an I. That's the active ingredient. So Say that uh, name again. Imid, imidacloprid. 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 Yeah, that, okay. that, it starts with an I-M, and that's the most active ingredient in those systemic ones, kind of the drench okay. that you can do at the base. Yeah, so uh-huh. get a hold of that now. And another telltale sign, too, like the leaves losing their green, but also when you look at the backside, there's little black dots lined up along the vein. So that's kind of where they're laying their eggs and their life cycle goes all summer. So, I mean, the good news, Ted, though, easily treatable for sure. Good. Yep, yep. That's and encouraging. Did, okay. And did Insecticidal they... soap or that other unpronounceable thing. Yes, <laughs> imidacloprid, that's okay. right. And did they um, prune back, you know, when the azaleas were finished blooming? Earlier in the summer, did they prune them back a little bit? I, I really don't know if they did. That's okay. a good idea. Yeah, yeah. You go back there and tell them to stay on top of uh, proper pruning as well. That's just really going to yeah. help, you know, put on the new growth and more leaves. And we want to force more healthy leaves to be growing on it right now to keep the rest of the plant healthy. Okay. It's not. Is it too late to prune? Um, a little bit. Yeah, summer. yeah. It depends. Yeah. Like if you have an encore azalea, probably not. But the traditional yeah. ones you want to do right after they're finished blooming because they yeah, start that's... setting buds pretty quick, like within a month or two. Right. That's that's when I that's when I always do mine. Okay. Yeah, and rhododendrons right, the same way. Oh, good. Well, thanks for calling, Ted. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And I love Thank it. We never give ourselves enough credit because Ted probably already knew. He's like, is it lace bug? And I love that. I love when we give ourselves a little bit of confidence. Like, I think I know, but you just want a second opinion. I, I get it. So that's what we're here for on Green and Growing, 404-872-0750. Definitely looking forward to more of your calls. We're going to spend the entire rest of the hour just taking calls, 404-872-0750. Whether it's something you have a question about, treatment, management, something you want to try, or even just something you want to pass along advice, one of the most successful uh, callers that we've had actually was a guy named Stan a couple weeks ago and I replayed his call last Saturday he had his own mix um, of insecticide and it was really fascinating and many of you messaged me wanting the ingredients to that so maybe I'll throw that out here after the break but coming up on 719 we're going to check traffic and weather and we'll be back on Green and Growing stay tuned
And so that you can plan your weekend accordingly, we'll give you a weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. We can't tell you the weather too often, that's for sure. A high of around 87 today, lows around 70. Maybe a pleasant day to sit outside, except for that 70% chance of rain. So we'll see if you're in the area that gets it or not. Only a 20% chance for showers tomorrow. Mostly sunny to partly sunny and a high of around 92. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So much to do on the show, but this is something that can apply to everyone. It's something that we started the show with back in February just to make gardening less intimidating. So all of your calls for sure coming up 7.30 to 8 o'clock and JR in Riverdale is absolutely going to be first. I wish I had a prize for him because he's hung on a long time, but... For the rest of you, three things you can do in the landscape this weekend. Very easy. It's a little late in the season, but if you want to spot spray weeds, do so when the temperatures are lower than the mid-80s. Do it when it's a little cooler. The soil's damp, and then you don't mow right before or right after the herbicide applications. And a lot of these weeds, folks, too, like manual removal. That's I'm all about that. I posted a picture of Spurge on the Facebook page. I'm going to start doing Weed of the Week every Tuesday. I'm going to post a picture of a weed, identify it for you, and how to treat it. Spurge is one that grows low um, and long, kind of leggy. And it usually grows like in the sidewalks and cracks of driveways and things like that. Um, but it's got a taproot, so it's just real easy to yank out. Rabbit tobacco, that's another one. Dandelions, just grab that and yank it out for sure. But a lot of these summer weeds are going to be uh, melting away, hopefully, in the next month or two. All right, second thing, strawberries, blueberries, and bramble fruits are forming next year's buds for the crop next year. So keep those watered for better production. Make sure the water is consistent And you could fertilize strawberries now, too. I've got mine in a hanging basket, and I'm getting round two of flowers. So I'm hoping for a little bit uh, better output than about a month ago. And number three, water plants several hours before applying pesticides, especially during dry weather. Drought-stressed plants, they have less water in the plant tissue. And then when the chemicals enter the leaves, they're more concentrated, and it can burn the leaves as well. And speaking of pesticides, so we've had a caller, Stan, who I just love talking about because he had a homemade recipe for aphids. Now, I have not tried this, nor do I know if it is scientifically proven, but there is something to be said for what it does to an aphid's body, just how it breaks it down. So his uh, recipe that many of you asked for for aphids, he used a gallon of water, one tablespoon of baking soda, two and a half tablespoons of olive oil, And then just half a teaspoon, very, very little, of dishwashing detergent. And so that breaks down the aphid's body, put it in a little spray bottle, and away you go. So that could be very handy for a lot of you. Jill and Rachel and Dolores, you all asked for it. Um, So if anybody wants to hit me up on the Facebook page, search Green and Growing WSB in there. We can continue the conversation about that. But in the next half hour, we're going to talk about moving blueberries. We're going to talk about azaleas. And then the perfect time to dig plugs. Tommy and Decatur has some lawn advice for all of you. So stay tuned. You're listening to Green and Growing here on WSB. with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. 
I hope your morning is starting off well. Some of you may just be getting off of work. Some of you may just be joining us, waking up with a cup of coffee. However the way, thank you for being here and thanks for listening to Green and Growing. We're in like our sixth month of the show and I'm having fun. I hope you are too. One comment that I do get, a lot of you wish that I would take more calls. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that right now. This half hour is nothing but calls. I don't want to waste your time. 404-872-0750. JR in Riverdale, you're my favorite guy today. How are you? Good morning. The question being here, a blueberry uh, bush, it produced really some nice, pretty little small blueberries. And either the birds or little people got them all. I mean, I, they actually cleaned the plant off. Wow. But then the, the, uh, the leaves fell off one time and the plant came back. Now, it, I've had it in a five-gallon pail, mm-hmm. okay? And uh, I want to go into a planter, but I don't know if it's better to go into the ground or a planter where you have, I guess, eight hours of continuous sun, or can they have a little bit of shade? Is there a requirement when I move it again? And again, what is a good size container that it will grow and uh, prosper in? A five-gallon bucket or a large pot like that is probably good for the first three years, depending on the varieties. Um, you know, rabbit eye and, and high bush are pretty common here. Um, but after, I would say, year three, you got to keep going bigger. And when we think about transplanting them into pots, you go up one one inch in size when you transplant something. So ideally, JR, you do what's best for you as far as the amount of sun that it can get at least half of the day. So, I mean, we're talking eight to ten hours of sun. Um, a lot of people have great success mounding them ever so slightly, you know, planting them just above ground um, in, in the lawn. But... I, I, my two are in pots and they have been for four years and they do fantastic. And that's easier to control too, as far as having a netting or something like that on there to keep the birds away. Um, so if you want to move them around, you certainly can just go, go to a pot that's at least an inch larger, but not a whole lot more than that. If you need to move them into something bigger and a good way to check too, is just looking at the drainage hole at the bottom of the pot and seeing if you've got some roots coming out, that is definitely it telling you it needs to be moved. This, this is the question here. I know I, I followed Walter's uh, self-watering tomato plants. Yeah. Really good working example, model, whatever you, if anybody wants to try that lives on a patio or uh, concrete somewhere, uh, that, that works really well. I put the plant in that, and it's, you know, it's working well because I have the drain hole in the bottom, and I've got the center hole in the middle of that self-watering tomato plant. Is that, uh, is that have you ever heard, has that self-watering tomato plant planter worked for other species like the blueberry bush? Would that work well for that? You know, I'm not real familiar with, I mean, can you give me a brief description of what it was he was talking about? Walter has what it is is you have two five gallon pails together. Uh-huh. In the center oh. of the pail, you have a uh, Dixie cup, uh, regular what, uh, 12 ounce, 16 ounce one. Uh-huh. You cut out a hole for that. Then you put a slit in the side of that, put it into that hole. Then you put a three eighths inch hole on the bottom of the first pail, two and a half inches from the bottom. Uh-huh. And then you get a PVC tubing wow. to go all the way down to the bottom cutting a hole like one inch, whatever size your PCV tubing is, uh-huh. down to that second hole, and then you uh, run it down to the first pail where yeah. you have your, your larger hole cut out. Then you put your plant and your dirt on that first pail. Now, the bottom has 
just that's where your water reservoir is at. Yeah. So and one five gallon bucket is loosely set into the other with what did you say about a gap of an, an inch or two in between the bottoms yeah, of when the it, pails? When the two five gallon pails fit, fit together, it's almost perfect uh, two and a half, three inches when they okay. when they fit together. So that that uh, weepage of the water comes up from that bottom. And of course, when you water continually through that PVC tube, mm-hmm. you never really overwater because once it reaches that two and a half to three inch hole that you put on the side of that pail, the bottom one, yeah, it comes out. So you you know, I'm not worried about overwatering, and it's the plants. The plants do well. Yeah, I think that sounds like it would work just fine. Um, the only thing that, in my experience, root rot seems to come on a lot more quickly. At least it has for me on something that's woody, like a blueberry rather than a tomato plant. Um, So if there's a lot of rain, that would be the one time that I would take those buckets apart and really check the water level because you don't want it to stay super, super soggy or else you're going to have root rot. But shoot, yeah, I mean, that should be fine, especially like you said, if it's a situation where it's on a deck or a patio or something like that and it just gets blazing sun, I think that that might regulate it pretty well. And you can, and you kind of keep now as far as me transferring it over, uh, the the height of the plants right now coming out of the soil, I should just keep it. I shouldn't really put more soil over the bottom of the root, so to speak. Just transfer it from that level in the pot that I have into a brand new fresh pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep, and you know, em- not- yeah, and emulate the same conditions as far as the soil goes. And now's not the time, but I would use a slow release fertilizer, a cottonseed meal, I think is one or malorganite or something like that when fertilization is necessary. That way, with something slow release, you're not having to use it as often. And But like right now is not the perfect, well, as long as it's done in the shade, uh, is there a time that would be more ideal than right now? Or as long as I keep the plant watered until it gets to be cooler to transplant, or is there a okay to do it now, transplanting to a, a new larger pot? You know, you don't really want to, you can transplant now for sure, but I wouldn't fertilize just because the fertilizer works best when something's in active growth and granted the blueberry is still alive and and active but it's just not it doesn't need that energy right now from the fertilizer so um i i wouldn't necessarily do that as long as you keep the soil moist and new fresh soil when you're transplanting it that should be enough okay now when the fresh soil some of this stuff uh miracle grow and such have that uh, slow release fertilizer and mixed into that soil compound. Yeah, that, that, that the, yeah, the amount in that is is so little. I think that that's that's going to be fine. That that's not going to trigger any crazy stuff in the blueberry. So yeah, I think you're on the right track, Jr. I, I may just give. I may give it a shot without putting the red uh, Dixie cup in the middle for weeping the water up and just let the roots maybe grow down into that first. Uh, five-gallon pail, like, mm-hmm. you know, just let them, if they want to go down to that center hole and get some water, uh, because the basic plant wouldn't be really sitting in the water. And when I do self-water, it would still come out, you know, when it gets enough water, it'll, it'll come out. It won't stay in there. Or, well, because the roots will continually stay in that water, that's where the problem would occur. Right, right. If the if the tips of the roots are just constantly soaked, setting in, in stagnant water, they're going to keep leaching that up oh. into the plant. So that's how root rot okay. starts. That doesn't sound, okay, I may I may put the five gallon. I may put the uh, Dixie cup back in the middle. Then okay. Okay. Oh wow, Jr. You're so on the right track. And you know what? I may post later if I remember when I get home. Um, you know, obviously our our blueberries are done now, but we just used two by fours and built a cage just loosely with the two by fours, like two on the inside and outside edge, 
two on the left and right sides and then stapled, use a staple gun and use just a loose netting and stapled that up over the top and the sides of these two by fours. And I just rest that whole big frame. It's about five feet long. I just rest that whole big frame that's got netting stapled to it over the two potted blueberries that I've had on the deck. And I have not once had any issue uh, with squirrels or birds or anything like that getting the fruit before I do. So netting is definitely something to consider as well. Thank you for the call, JR. 404-872-0750. Want to go to Tommy Indicator. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. So you've got some advice for us. Uh, well, I just wanted to share a little something. This is a great time uh, to harvest uh, some plugs if you've got warm season grasses right now for your lawn. you got a bad place um, rather than doing you know, the excessive edge, and I see a lot of people do with the string trimmers and stuff yeah. rather than that. I take a flat blade shovel, sharpen it real good, and then just plunge in, you know, go a couple of inches from that area, plunge in, and then just dig that out, soil and all, and you can just kind of, you know, you can move it over if you've got a thin area or a bad area. It seems so it. wasteful. I mean, you know, you want to keep a neat, tidy lawn, and, yeah, when those uh, crawlers, when those plugs are coming up over the gutter line or something like that or starting to go into the street, it seems like such a waste, you're right, to use an edger because that's really good plugs that could be used in bare spots. Exactly. That's, exactly. okay, so really sharp shovel. Yeah, yeah, for me it works, you know, flat blade shovel. I actually uh, kick in, I don't know, a couple of inches from my driveway, and, I mean, you know, I've got stuff growing under my car now. When I move it, I'll just dig it out and move it over. Uh, you know, of course, you know, you amend the soil where you're going to plant it, and then if you dig out a chunk like I do, then just get some good soil, throw that in, and, you know, use this time of the year it'll probably have grown back in, back over again before it goes dormant. Yeah, absolutely, and maybe plant those plugs about six inches or so apart, depending on the size of the bare spot. Uh, yeah, yeah, the only thing with that, though, is, you know, if you leave too many voids, you're going to get weeds in there. Oh, <laughs> true, true, we do yeah. not. Gosh, that's our biggest enemy right now. Public enemy number one is all the weeds. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I also wanted to weigh in. I couldn't get in last week, but I, the guy that called, I believe his name was Tommy. I think it was, too. <laughs> talk, he was talking about um, trying to get an area ready to plant, and he was also talking about eggs, uh, raising his chickens, and how flavorful the eggs were. Well, there's a, I've never had any experience with it, but there's a, a, a little deal you can build called a chicken tractor, and basically mm. it's a portable coop, and, you know, you let the chickens... Uh, do the thing there for a while, and it helps kill the weeds. Plus, there are men in the soil, and you can move it. You know, I went online and looked, and they even have some. You can do them in PVC and then, you know, cover them with chicken wire. And there was even one, you know, with wheels on it, like a hand truck. Wow, so it's so it's a frame, like for a yeah. coop with the chicken wire, but it's not anchored down to the ground in any way. Well, yeah, well, some of them, you know, they look like they were, but then, like I said, one I saw it actually had wheels on it, and so... I mean, I don't know how much time it would take to, you know, to actually clear the weeds or whatever, but, I mean, you know, he's got the chickens and, you know, he's got the chicken manure, so, I mean, put it to work. It's yeah, that's free labor. You put those chickens to work other than just laying eggs. <laughs> so that is a good way to clear out some land, too. Yeah, and we had joked about, I remember Tommy's call, we had joked about, like, he's got two old cars or something, and I said, well, yeah, you plant those on the, or uh, park those on the ground and, no sunlight or water is going to get in those spots, but you want to be careful of any, you know, oil spill right. or anything coming from the cars. Right. Well, Tommy, that's awesome. I love that, man. Thank you. Portable. Great. You so what? Take care. What did you Google? Portable chicken coop? 
Uh, I just did uh, Chicken Tractor. They call him. I've heard him. <laughs> I've heard people talk about him before. I never looked it up or anything. But after he talked about it, I just went online and looked that up. I love it, Chicken Tractor. All right. Well, thank you, Tommy. Hey, you call anytime. I think you've called once before, haven't you? Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, I, like I told you, I've been listening since Kathy had the show. You know, I've listened through Walter's time there and everything. So I've been a long time listening. Yeah, I know. We had do- talked before, maybe two or three months back. Well, hey, anytime you have something brilliant like that, I could use it. So please call in, okay? Thank you. Oh, so good to hear from you. Chicken tractor. That uh, Just the visual of that is the cutest thing in my mind right now. 404 <laughs> You can be just like Tommy in Decatur. And call now and get on the air. Don't be nervous. Don't be scared. Not a lot of people are listening anyways. Just, just a few tens of thousands on a Saturday morning, you know. But uh, coming up, we will have Julia in Atlanta. Complaints about her gardenia bush. That's becoming a little discolored. I think I may know the problem there. And a caller incoming has a curry plant, maybe an Indian plant, that the leaves are folding over. So I want to do a little bit more delving into that. So that and your calls coming up, 404-872-0750. I'm Ashley Frasca, live in the studio where it's 74 degrees outside in Midtown Atlanta. And you are listening to Green and Growing. We'll be right back. So you know how to plan your weekend. The weather forecast sponsored by Finley Roofing. A high today around 87, lows around 70. But you want to be concerned with that rain chance. It's up to 70% just like it was yesterday. Tomorrow, though, 20% chance for showers. Mostly sunny to partly sunny and a high of 92. Green Green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. All right, I'll get through these pretty quickly for you. Strawberries, blueberries, and bramble fruits, they're forming buds for next year's crop, so keep them watered for better production. And strawberries are coming around for round two or maybe round three, so you can fertilize those now. Number two, water your plants several hours before applying pesticides, especially during dry weather. Drought-stressed plants, they've got less water in the plant tissue, and then when the chemicals enter the leaves, it's just a lot more concentrated, and you could have leaf burn as a result and number three it's a little late in the season but if you want to spot spray weeds go ahead do so when the temperatures are lower than the mid 80s and the soil's a little damp and you don't mow right before or right after a herbicide application so keep that in mind you don't want to stress out the grass 404-872-0750 good morning julia in atlanta welcome to the show good morning um i was listening earlier to the gentleman that had an issue with the leaves on his azalea plant um like uh, getting lighter my um gardenia bush the leaves are starting to look variegated Mm -hmm. is it the same problem or is this something that um is this something else i should be doing so he had lace bug and i think that's a little different on azalea leaves and the reason they're called that is because eventually they eat so much of the leaf away it becomes lacy you know almost a skeleton Mm -hmm. looking at the leaf but on gardenia leaves i think white fly is probably what you've got so they they excrete like a sooty substance, and then that starts to turn the leaf black, and then the leaf is not getting sun, and that blocks the sun, so then it starts to get real mottled and even yellow-looking. So I think that's probably white flies. Okay, and uh, just a pesticide for that? or Yeah, again, though, a systemic insecticide would work, something with imidacloprid, 
that works from the ground up, up through the plant. But that's best applied like in April, like back mid-spring, the same treatment as the lace bugs because you want to get to them early in the stages. Um, and okay. seven dust, though, seven dust would probably work right now. Um, but then getting on track in mid-spring, just preventatively doing that in uh, systemic insecticide. Okay. And your guest speaker today uh, was talking about his herbs. And he said some kind of pot he had his his herbs in. Could you tell me, did you remember what that was? Yeah, so Eric Erickson was the one that introduced me to uh, Earthbox. Earthbox. And I don't have any experience with it, but with his family and having two young kids um, and just not having the time to really set out like a full-fledged garden, um, mm-hmm. An earth box looks like a great little thing. And even for those of us who just aren't mobile or can't bend over or whatever, this is just so easy. It's contained to wherever, you know, a close area that you wanted on the deck or the or the patio or something like that. But just kind of a foolproof, here's the directions, here's the watering system, here's the mm-hmm. seeds you need, and away you go. So, Julia, why don't you just look that up? I think it's just earthbox.com. And you'll okay. kind of see some videos of how it works. And uh, call back and let me know because, like I said, Eric's really the main one I've heard talk about it. So if you have success with it, let us know. Okay. I, right. It sounded like something that would work for me. So. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It sounds like a real good conversation piece, too. If the friends come over and you're just successfully growing all these great vegetables and herbs. I mean, what a bragging rights, you know. Thank you for the call, Julia. We're going to step out and back to more of your calls in hour number three, the 8 o'clock hour here on Green and Growing. Spring is in full bloom. Are your finances? With the Chime Secured Credit Builder Visa Credit Card, you can build credit with everyday purchases and regular on-time payments, all with no annual fees or interest. With Chime Secure Credit Card, you can start improving your credit scores right away. Get started today at Chime.com build. That's Chime.com build. Chime. Feels like progress. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal and OTC advance fees may apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details.